You are listening to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Kelly Casperson. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to the live August podcast recording. I am your gracious host, Dr. Kelly Casperson, board-certified in urology and passionate adult sex educator, menopause expert, feisty Gen X woman, coffee lover. That's me. So these live podcast recordings, now uh, the members who are in the private podcast membership get access to come on live, ask your questions, get coached. And the other thing I do in the live podcast is I talk about topics that have come up, things that I'm seeing repeated over and over. And then of course, the questions that you guys leave in on Instagram. As a note, this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. I am usually not your medical doctor. And even if I am, I'm not giving you medical advice over podcasts or Instagram. Don't do it. It's not allowed. Don't want to. I think there's a big difference because I think a lot of doctors shy away from sharing any information because we don't want to get in trouble for giving medical advice right over social media. And that's cool. That's fine. But what I think a lot of doctors don't realize is like we have a lot of information and access to a lot of information and simply sharing education and facts is not giving individualized medical advice. Individual medical advice would be like, Susie, what you need to do is you need to go and you need to get and you need to do this specifically in the context of like not being in a clinic, not knowing your past history, not knowing all the information like a normal medical consultation is. So this is for, and I just love saying that this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. So there you go. But I have a lot of knowledge and I could share it. So here we are. So the first question that came up today was vaginal lasers. And what my thought is on the, there's a couple of different brands now. Um, Mona Lisa has been around the longest. It's a CO2 laser. The Diva is a uh, hybrid fractional Yeg laser. Femtouch, I think, is one, unless Femtouch is RFA, which is a radio frequency ablation. Let's see if Google can help us out, like, real quickly. Femtouch laser. Laser. Yep. Okay. Femtouch is also a laser. There you go. So there's more and more coming out all the time because people are demanding to feel better. And a lot of people don't know about cheap stuff like vaginal estrogen. So this is the issue with lasers. It does not help your desire. It does not improve your relationship. It does not make you want to have sex more unless you're treating your skin and it doesn't hurt. So then you want to have sex more. But you can't, laser companies are, they're FDA approved now for being in the vagina and treating skin conditions in the vagina that just came out, the FDA approval for that use. Um, so you're perfectly allowed to use them. There just hasn't been enough trials to get FDA approved for a specific medical indication. And what that means is this is FDA approved for genital urinary syndrome and menopause, or this is FDA approved for bladder leakage, you know, stuff like that. So lasers can't actually tell you that they can cure or treat a disease because you aren't allowed to say that if you're a drug or a product, unless you have an FDA approved indication for it. Um, basically, you be, you're, you would be accused um, of making false claims. So... That's why they can't do that. And they say stupid shit like vaginal rejuvenation. <laughs> Excuse my French. If this is the first time listening to me. Sorry. Um, so basically, they'll say things like rejuvenation. 
And when you really think about that, what the hell does that mean, right? Um, so the other thing that they'll say is they'll say like, it helps with vaginal tone. It helps with, you know, and then they can say like, it may help with, because they can't say what it actually helps with. So what lasers do is in the, in the, in the, if you break it down, lasers create small wounds, basically small controlled injuries. And then the body says, Oh, injury. And then brings in healing, blood flow, collagen, fibroblasts, attention right and so you're basically kind of forcing the body to like heal minor minor safe wounds I don't personally I don't think it works well for bladder leakage at all right like I see a decent amount of people who come to see me after they went to usually like a aesthetic place so I think it's always telling and they do this for erectile dysfunction stuff too the majority of people in America who are hawking shockwave therapy, platelet-rich plasma, P-shot injections, kind of all of these non-FDA-approved indications or treatments for erectile dysfunction are not urologists, which I think is very telling. Number one, they tend to be uh, taking your money. They're interested in that. Number two, it's not approved or, yeah, approved, I guess is the right word, by the American Urologic Association. So a lot of our guidelines say like, it should be investigational only, or you should do it in the setting of a clinical trial. So point being, I see a lot of women come to me after they've done laser at an aesthetic medicine place, hoping that it's going to help their incontinence. And it doesn't, right? But again, I'm biased. People don't come to me and they're like, just wanted to let you know I'm doing great. Paid $3,000 for this laser and I'm fine, right? Like they usually come and they're like, oh, yeah, I was really hoping it was going to help with my either stress incontinence, overactive bladder, whatever. And the reason it doesn't is because lasers penetrate like the the depth of a credit card of the vagina, right? So that skin uh, can get improved as far as elasticity, blood flow, sensation for sexual function, for vaginal penetration, but that's not deep enough to help the bladder, right? If, if you've got overactive bladder, you probably have some low hormone estrogen stuff going on um, or other things. We don't fully know why overactive bladder happens in everybody, but it happens significantly more in the perimenopause, postmenopause timeline. Um, but yeah, so penetrating a credit card depth of your vagina does not tend to help the bladder. Uh, certainly not for a long, a long period of time. So that is my opinion on vaginal lasers. I think it's really good to kickstart skin healing. If you are years behind on GSM, you've got pain with sex, you have trouble with elasticity. I think lasers combined with vaginal estrogen combined with pelvic floor physical therapy is the best. If you're going to do a laser, combine it in a multi multifactorial approach. I tell people it's like my three-legged stool, right? You need all of them. Um, the other three-legged stool with lasers for any sexual dysfunction issues is laser with vaginal estrogen, physical therapy, and sex therapist. Because if sex has been painful or it's been a long time or you're in a sexless marriage, certainly there's two brains involved in that and lasers don't help brains. What drives me nuts is when people are like, you'll see this marketing, you'll be like, increase your desire. Desire, my friends, if you have learned nothing, desire is created in the brain. Desire is lost in the brain, desire is created in the brain. Having a laser penetrate a credit card with depth of your vagina does not change desire, unless you think it does. If you're like, this is going to help my desire, and then it might. But that's not directly because of the 
laser, that's because you changed your thoughts. So if you want to know more about life coaching and changing your thoughts about sex, join the membership because that's basically what it's there for. It's adult sex ed, coaching, identifying your thoughts about sex, changing your thoughts about sex. And it's way cheaper than a laser, BTW. All right, so moving on. Um, somebody wrote in, it was a, such a nice question. Somebody wrote in, I'm a, a man in my early 60s, married to a wonderful person for 40 years. I'd love to get her your book, but I don't want to come off as being that guy. Do you have any suggestions? I'd say yes. Number one, the fact that you even care is that you're not that guy. I don't know what that guy means. Like, are you a jerk for offering self-help? Like, women tend to love self-help. Unless you present it in a, like, you're broken, you need to change sort of way, right? But, like, education is rarely wrong, right? And I think my, my book, The You're Not Broken, Stop Shooting All Over Your Sex Life, is really just education, normalizing women's experiences, normalizing why they have low desire, normalizing that it's okay to be curious and explore. I just saw this quote from Dr. Ruth. And she said basically her whole career was spent giving people permission to have sex. And I love that. It's like just permission to have sex because we're basically as people who are socialized as women in this country um, told not to have sex. Don't do it. It's bad. You'll catch a disease. You'll get pregnant. Don't do it. He's using you. Don't do it. And when you do it, do it the way he wants to do it, right? So for somebody to give you permission to have sex the way you want to and discover and masturbate like is amazing. So back to this guy. Um, I think you could be like, hey, you know, I found this doctor on the internet. She's a urologist. She seems like the real deal. Um, it really helped me. So so to explain how it helped you, like it really helped me understand women and the women's perspective and like how, how women get to this place where they don't want to have sex. And I would love to discuss this book with you. Would you be interested in maybe reading a couple of chapters, right? Like drip it in there. I wouldn't be like, throw it down, be like, you need to change, here's the book. You know, I think you can do it in a very loving way. Um, the other interesting thing I think about this book is a man that I know just from like professionally read my book. He loves it. He uh, he likes my stoic. I, I drip a little bit of stoic philosophy in there, which you might also call life coaching or you could call it stoic philosophy, whatever you like more, call it that. And he's like, nice use of stoic philosophy in this book. And he's like, He's like, when are you going to write the book for men? And the thing is, this is the book, right? Like if you truly want to understand women and understand women's perspective and understand like how I would talk to a woman about this, like this is the book for men to read. So the fact that a guy did find it and now wants to introduce it to his spouse of 40 years to increase their bond, to increase their intimacy, to me, I'm like, you go, you're amazing. Thank you for doing what you do. And I hope that helped. I ho and uh, please, please write me back and tell me how it went because <laughs> I'm curious. Okay, next big thing that we need to talk about, you guys. I think how Dr. Ruth like just told people that her whole career was giving people permission to have sex. I think my whole career is just telling people to use vaginal estrogen <laughs> over and over. But this is what you need to know. Vaginal estrogen is not systemic estrogen. Vaginal estrogen is not even considered topical estrogen. Topical estrogen is meant to be systemic, 
right? So that is basically systemic estrogen that's not swallowed. So you can get systemic estrogen in a patch or a cream. You can even get systemic estrogen in a vaginal ring form called the femring, which is only to confuse you all the further. But this is coming up a lot on social media that I'm seeing. And a good friend of mine, um, Amanda, who wrote Menopocalypse, Menopause People, check out her book, Menopocalypse. It's awesome. She's also huge on Instagram, was reaching out to me. And she's like, I just keep seeing over and over these women who now have either uh, uterine lining hypertrophy or issues leading to uterine cancer because... If you go to somebody for systemic estrogen and you have a uterus and they're not educated about the fact that you need to take systemic progestin to protect your uterine lining, you will have unopposed estrogen that just keeps promoting endothelial hypertrophy in the vagina, leading to vaginal bleeding often, sometimes not. But when you have a bunch of hypertrophy, it can lead to dysplasia. And the dysplasia can lead to endometrial cancer, which is very curable in the early stages. But two things. This is a public service announcement for the August Live podcast. If you're on systemic estrogen and you have a uterus, you must take a systemic progestin. You can take that orally or you can take it in a patch. The combi patch would be one. Or you can take it vaginally with a progestin secreting IUD. There's a couple of them now. Marina is the most common one. So naturopathic, holistic, the people, the compounders who give you a progestin cream or anything you might find on Amazon or the internet that is not a prescription from a doctor, a cream is not enough to protect the uterus. So we're seeing a lot of women on estrogen and a progesterone cream That's not enough. You will still have the risk of vaginal bleeding, endometrial hyperplasia, endometrial dysplasia, which can cause endometrial cancer. We learned this, you guys, in the 1950s and 1960s. This is not new shit. But what happened is the doctors in this country stopped learning how to treat menopause because of the Women's Health Initiative study 20 years ago. So now we have two decades of physicians who don't know how to treat women. So women are suffering. They're going into the hands of the alternatives or the internets or all the other people. And some of them are fine. They get that this is medically necessary. But this is your public service announcement. This is another reason, you guys, why compounded hormones are not recommended when there is an FDA-approved product that you can use instead. Don't get confused. Listen to my other things. Bioidentical, don't give me shit about bioidentical. Bioidentical is slapping natural on a candy bar, right? FDA-approved medications are bioidentical. So there goes your argument. Estradiol is estradiol is estradiol is created from yams in a lab, and it's not from horses, and it's not conjugated equine estrogens. So get over that. Get over that opposition to a prescription medication, first and foremost. You tell them feisty today because I'm like, people need to know this. It's causing harm. So what happened in the 50s and 60s? In the 50s and 60s, we actually were able, we did not have estrogen products forever, you guys. These are new. This is called modern medicine. This is called what happens when we have brilliant chemists in a laboratory, like people who actually had to like discover how to create estrogen, right? First, you have to discover estrogen. 
then you have to discover how to create estrogen. So by the 50s and 60s, we had some estrogen products that are very different than the estrogen products we have now. But we started giving them to women because women were suffering from menopause symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, mood changes, heart palpitations, etc., etc. So we started giving them estrogen. But we didn't know, right? So what we learned, we being like I was not alive, but like the people learned is there's always a risk of any organ in your body has a risk of cancer. Fair enough. So above the baseline risk of endometrial cancer, we increased the risk, relative risk increase by 5 to 10% if you're on unopposed estrogen. So this does not mean 5 to 10% of people are going to get endometrial cancer. It means above the baseline risk of cancer. So this is why we are seeing women with increased risk of endometrial cancer now is because doctors don't know. Then they go to people who aren't doctors, who don't know, or who hawk compounded stuff. And you end up with unopposed estrogen because the cream, again, for progesterone cream is not enough. It does is not how progesterone is absorbed by the skin. You need like a dinner plate worth of cream. So it's not enough. You're going to get unopposed estrogen, uterine bleeding. Sometimes we'll give you a heads up. This is the other thing on any time you're postmenopausal and you have uterine bleeding, you need a vaginal ultrasound. Some people, some uh, some clinics and some doctors will make a woman get a vaginal ultrasound every year just being on systemic hormones. And and they'll even say, they'll say that's probably overkill. Uh, I certainly think you need to be on top of your mammograms. My clinic won't give anybody postmenopausal hormones without being up to date on your mammograms, mammograms and colonoscopies. Um, but some people will do yearly vaginal ultrasounds just to keep an eye on the uterine lining. If you don't have a uterus, you don't, please disregard the last five minutes of this talk. Um, so that's my shout out. Amanda was actually like, can you say something to your people? Because she's like getting messages from these women like over and over that this is happening to them and they didn't know and their provider did not do it or know. So help the sisters out know these things. Okay, let's go to Instagram questions and answers. If you're in peri or postmenopause and think your hair and skin look unhealthy, you're not imagining it. Menopause naturally affects your hair and skin. Hormone changes can affect appearance years before and long after menopause. Sylvessa is the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline. The Sylvessa system is designed to restore the collagen and nutrients impacted by declining estrogen, improving the appearance of your hair and skin today and protecting against future damage tomorrow. Formulated with hyaluronic acid to visibly improve skin texture and reduce fine lines and wrinkles. Give Sylvessa by Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com slash notbroken and use promo code notbroken. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com slash notbroken and code notbroken for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com slash notbroken website. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code notbroken. Do, 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 do. Genetic testing in 2017, positive for Lynch syndrome, diagnosed with uterine cancer yesterday, uh, total hysterectomy in my very near future, terrified about trying to get my hormone levels correct post-surgery. Any suggestions or recommendations? What the biggest thing I can tell you is it depends upon the stage. You know, so when we take out an organ, we send it to pathology. Pathology will tell us the stage of this. 
and very likely if it's low stage so clinic uh, stage pathologic stage t1a endometrial cancer if it's that um, that's very different than like a t3 or a very advanced cancer so it really matters upon the stage we think vaginal estrogen is likely safe kind of the same as you know when you've been treated for breast cancer vaginal estrogen is safe you are getting into muddy waters with systemic hormones on that the biggest thing i can say and i can say this for anybody at any time being healthy taking care of your body after menopause is the single best thing you can do for not only longevity but quality of life you want to decrease your risk of dementia exercise they just said somebody did this huge like took them a year to look at all the supplements looking at how to prevent dementia and you'll read this you read these articles like doctors aren't even close to coming up with something to prevent dementia and it's literally like exercise 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 it is like essential oil to the brain for preventing dementia exercise significantly decreases your risk of breast cancer stop alcohol you guys public service announcement stop alcohol you don't think you can stop alcohol come on my private membership i will coach you on how to stop alcohol i've been off of that stuff for about a year and a half now i legitimately couldn't be on a platform and a podcaster and like tell women that estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer and drink alcohol like it just became what's that word a conflict of interest to me to drink alcohol and really say i'm doing everything i can to decrease my risk of breast cancer um and the other thing on that as far as health it's not so much being overweight that increases your risk of cancer but that adipose tissue is inflammatory and it's actually like metabolically active so it's not like the pounds itself that puts you at risk for increased cancer i, I did an instagram i should have saved it to my um to, to when you save your stories but the national uh the british national health service basically did this awesome graphic looking at increased risk of breast cancer and decreased risk of breast cancer and how many per thousand women when they smoked when they were overweight and then decreasing it when they didn't drink alcohol and when they uh, exercised very cool graphic to look at so that would be my lengthy answer to this woman who's headed into a surgical menopause by getting a total hysterectomy is know what your stage is afterwards and seeing um if at least vaginal estrogen can still be right for you or not okay here we go 38 year old breast cancer survivor i'm on estradiol got all the fancy lubes i'm now i'm curious about testosterone people only seem to talk about estrogen for women but my libido is non-existent and penetrative sex is excruciating curious if testosterone also takes a hit while on hormone blocking meds post cancer yes I discussed this stuff with my oncologist but it feels trivial compared to the work they did to cure my cancer many people feel that way however my pcp won't touch the hormone topic with me and defers to the oncologist because of my cancer history thoughts suggestions again what type of cancer how invasive i i really there there's no guidelines on systemic hormone therapy after breast cancer you're going to get people like um, Dr. Blooming and Estrogen Matters who will quote some studies that it um, likely is safe in some people. We just don't know who it's safe in. Who's high risk? Who's high risk of recurrence? And a lot of that has to do with type and stage to begin with, right? So certainly you're going to need to see an, a, a hormone expert's expert. Heather Hirsch at Harvard is a hormone expert expert. Um, to say, hey, this is all of my details with breast cancer. I'm miserable. 
what can I do? But two thoughts on this to expand because I want to open up your opinion on it's all the hormones and that's the only reason that I don't have a libido. If you have pain with sex, you don't have a libido. I always tell people you don't have two things. You don't have pain with sex and low libido. You have pain with sex. You never want it. You never desire anything that's painful, right? We avoid it. So if you're avoiding sex, of course, that's low libido. Um, you say you're on estradiol. You don't say if it's systemic or vaginal. But being on vaginal estrogen is what helps penetrative uh, dryness in the vagina. Sometimes being on systemic hormones isn't enough, you guys. I'll see people who still have GSM and general urinary syndrome and menopause who are on systemic hormones because it's just not enough to get to the vaginal tissues. So I would make sure two things. Number one, you're on vaginal estrogen cream, which ACOG, American uh, College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, came out with a position paper on women with breast cancer saying that vaginal estrogen does not increase your risk of recurrence. So go check out that paper if you want some data to bring to primary care or oncology. They should already have that, but there you go. Number two, physical therapy, vaginal dilation, sex therapy, sex coaching, all the things because body image takes a hit after cancer or relationships take a hit after cancer. What feels good to you? How can you be intimate that feels good? How can you be intimate that isn't vaginal penetration? All of these things. Because I think what a lot of women do is they're like, I can't have hormones. It's all over. And they don't do all this other important work to help explore what does work? What does feel good? What do I enjoy? Um, so I would encourage you to think outside the box and don't let your brain limit you by saying you just can't have hormones. So I hope that that is helpful. Um, next one. I've gathered so much info from you about the estradiol cream and so much more than I got my guy to prescribe the cream for me. Yay! Um, I'm in my late 50s and have never had any problems with painful sex. Do, 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 do. She's just talking about doing fine with that. And... I'm not sure what she's talking about. Is it possible that the discomfort will diminish, diminish? So she's having discomfort after she applied her estradiol cream. Again, I can't give individual medical advice, but what I would say is back off on the dose. This is why I don't go back. You guys go back to my vaginal estrogen podcast. It's like literally two podcasts ago. Um, I also put that on my YouTube channel because it's a visual and I show you how to use the applicator and stuff. But my personal opinion is the loading dose is too much. If you've gone years and years and years without estrogen and then you apply daily estradiol cream to your vulva and vagina, it's like too much and you might get systemic effects and it turns a lot of women off, no pun intended, from using the product. So I'd say just back off. Get it to a, t a place where you tolerate it, then you can increase it. Again, that's my uh, general opinion on estrogen cream in general. I don't ever prescribe loading doses to any of my patients. So I'm not giving you individual medical advice. Check with your guy if you want. If you really think you're sore or something's going on, make sure you get an exam. I basically give an exam to every single person that I put vaginal estrogen cream on because I need to rule out prolapse, lichen sclerosis, any sort of you know cancer, lesions, anything like that. So I, I always think about all that when people are say that they've got a problem going on with that. Okay, next question. We're getting through a lot today, you guys. Let's see what else we can do. I'm 58 and two years in menopause. Good, good. Um, is estrogen patch, progesterone, and a testosterone cream. But it's not clear to me if my transdermal estrogen will protect my vulva from atrophy. Should I also be using an estrogen cream on my vulva in addition to my HRT regime? Do, 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 do. 
I asked my doctor and she said, creams for the vulva are only for lichen sclerosis. Oh my God. I literally just did a, oh, the question ends up, that doesn't sound right. I literally just did like an Instagram reel on this of like, cream, estrogen creams are not for lichen sclerosis, you guys. Colbetazole is for lichen sclerosis. The treatment of lichen sclerosis is a high do a high potency steroid called Clobetazole ointment, not cream, ointment. It's cheaper than cream too. So the question is, just to summarize for the people in the back, she is on systemic estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, wondering if she should use vaginal estrogen as well. Um, the answer is it depends. Some women, that's a, that amount of hormones is enough. So I would say, number one, do you have any symptoms? right? So do you have dryness, pain with sex, overactive bladder, any burning, itching, irritation, uh, urgency, frequency, dysuria, all the signs and symptoms of GSM? If you do, yes, add a vaginal estrogen. I would also say get an exam. Um, so if you don't have any symptoms, you might not need it. I would do an exam. Is you, do you have a, a nice healthy clitoris? Do you have a healthy labia minora? Are you showing signs of reabsorption? Are you showing signs of, of clitoral atrophy or clitoral phimosis? All those things would then tell me, yep, we, let's get a little more hormones down here, especially to the vulva. Maybe the vagina doesn't need it, but get it to the vulva. So that would be my answer. Um, I, I am pro, just on a side note, I'm pro prophylactic, you know, vaginal estrogen in the sense of Western medicine likes to take care of you once you have a problem. Western medicine isn't great of being like, hey, why don't you like use this to not have a problem? We don't have great data. I have not seen a paper on preventative. I, this is what the paper for all my researcher people, all my medical students. This is what I need. People, women on vaginal estrogen have less admissions for UTIs, have less over are on less overactive bladder medications, have less Botox to the bladder, have less, um, I don't know, maybe vaginal, even vaginal bleeding if it was like a, a vulvar vaginal bleeding. That's what we need. We need, we need to like search Kaiser's, California Kaiser's medical database looking at people on vaginal estrogen because my hunch is people who are on vaginal estrogen have less healthcare down the road for those issues. So over time, I think vaginal estrogen will probably save, if not you, save the healthcare system money by decreasing the role of recurrent UTIs and stuff like that. I have not seen this paper. I think it's a brilliant paper. It needs to happen. I want to see less admissions for urinary tract infections in women who have been on vaginal estrogen. And I know that the people, Kaiser has such a big database. I know they could easily do that with their data. So I'm manifesting it. There you go. Next one, what are other options for testosterone? Do, 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 do. This is the first time I'm hearing pellets are harmful. Oh, they must have been listening to my Instagram. I've done two rounds of HRT and I'm getting ready for my third. Although, to be honest, not completely happy with the testosterone pellets as it is elevated at the beginning and begins to drop off after a couple of weeks. This is my no shit Sherlock. That's how pellets work, you guys. The, please refer to the beginning of this podcast for the understanding of why women are in the arms of pellet hawkers. It's because doctors don't know how to take care of women and help their hormone needs. So the North American Menopause Society, the, uh, I think, I think it's ACOG, several societies have basically said compounded products are more dangerous. They have more side effects. They cause more harm than FDA approved products. What's the problem? The problem is we don't have an FDA-approved female testosterone dose. So we have to use male dosing. 
I've run into issues where the pharmacist won't give the box of 30 tubes to a female because it's dosed at one-tenth the dose and then that's greater than 90 days and testosterone is technically a controlled substance. Welcome to the complexities of my life. So you can be pushed into a compounded product for testosterone, but then I would say use a testosterone cream um, compounded, not the pellets. Pellets are there to make people money. Long, dramatic pause. Pellets are there to make people money. You can get testosterone that's way cheaper without the high highs and the low lows. It's called a cream, ideally FDA approved. If not, then compounded. So I hope that that is very helpful. You guys, I love you so much. Do you think my do you think my lives are like just mostly about hormones because that is what everybody is freaking curious about. So, if you want to talk about sex more, you should write in questions about sex and then we can talk about those on the live podcast. Um but I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. Check out the book. You are not broken. Stop shooting all over your sex life. The other thing I really would love you guys to do, because no, nobody's done it in a while, is give a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you are listening on how this has helped you, how it's changed your life, how you share it with your friends, and just as a, as a little gift to me, a little freebie to me for me doing all this work on my off days. So thank you so much for the review ahead of time. I love you so much. I'll see you over in the private membership. Love ya. Hey friends, if you love what I'm doing on this podcast and love who I'm interviewing, I want to encourage you to join the private membership where you get a front seat pass with all of my interviews and you can even ask them questions. In addition, there's going to be group coaching with me and my upcoming guest coach to take this work, to go deeper, to live your best sex and love life. Join today at www.kellycaspersonmd.com membership. I'll see you on the inside.